the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction. I want to thank everyone on behalf of myself and the people of Texas for your prayers and support. There is a lot I could say, but is irrelevant compared to the Word of God. Join me as I read Psalms 46 and praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. For this reason we do not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea, when its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake before the surging sea. Selah. The river's channels bring joy to the city of God, the special holy dwelling place of the Sovereign One. God lives within it. It cannot be moved. God rescues it at the break of dawn. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are overthrown. God gives a shout. The earth dissolves. The Lord who commands armies is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector. Selah. Come, witness the exploits of the Lord who brings devastation to the earth. He brings an end to wars throughout the earth. He shatters the bow and breaks the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, quote, Stop your striving and recognize that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. Unquote. The Lord who commands armies is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector. Selah. The church has functioned. Chalcedon Position Paper number 97. The church began its history in the Roman Empire in the midst of a Greco-Roman culture. Jerusalem itself reflected that fact and was richly subsidized by the emperors because of its strategic importance. Keeping Judea peaceful and happy was a basic policy. Judea's failure to appreciate its, quote, privileges, unquote, led to the intensity of Roman vengeance during and after the war of A.D. 66-70. through The church was both influenced by that Greco-Roman culture and also hostile to it. Herbert B. Workman, in Persecution in the Early Church, 1906, noted, quote, By Roman theory, the state was the one society which must engross every interest of its subjects, religious, social, political, humanitarian, with the one possible exception of the family. There was no room in Roman law for the existence, much less the development on its own lines of organic growth, of any corporation or society which did not recognize itself from the first as a mere department or auxiliary of the state. The state was all and in all, the one organism with a lot of its own. Such a theory, the church, as the living kingdom of Jesus, could not possibly accept in either the first century or the twentieth. Many churchmen then as now tried to accommodate themselves to the sovereignty of the state or emperor rather than Christ. 
they were willing to confess, quote, Caesar is Lord, unquote. The church, in part, was preserved from absorption by Roman persecution. The intransigent, uncompromising Christians preserved the church by their refusal to compromise. All the same, however, some things were absorbed. In example, Neoplatonism, Aristotelianism, Stoicism, Asceticism, and the like. An important borrowing from Rome was organization and bureaucratization. The church was in a very real sense a continuation of the synagogue, and in the Greek text of James 2, 2, the word translated as assembly is actually synagogue. The church, unlike the synagogue, was not only an Hebraic organization, but it was essentially an organic body, a corporation, the body of Christ. Now the members of a body, in example hands, feet, etc., do not hold offices. They have functions. The words translated as office in the New Testament make this clear. For Romans 11.13, 1 Timothy 3.10, and 3.13, the word used is diakonia in Romans and diakonio in Timothy. The word in English as deacon means a servant, service. It refers to a function. In Romans 12.4, office in the Greek is praxis, function. In Timothy 3.1, it is episcopy and its meaning is supervision or inspection to give relief or help. In Hebrews 7.5, the reference is to the Old Testament priesthood, hieratia, and refers to the sacerdotal function. Thus, what we call church offices are in reality functions of the body of Christ in this world. This fact is very important. Offices lead to a bureaucracy and a ruling class, whereas functions keep a body alive. In the early church also, we have no evidence of what is commonplace today, regular stated bureaucratic meetings of presbyteries, synods, councils, bishops, etc. Instead, beginning with the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, the meetings were called to resolve a problem or meet a need. They were functional meetings, not organizational. They were aspects of the life of a body not of a bureaucratic organization. They exercised no coercive power, but they did formulate questions and answers pertaining to faith and morals carefully and precisely. Both Eastern and Western churches and, in the West, Catholicism, Protestantism, and Anabaptism have developed great and powerful bureaucracies which impede the life of the church. Both church and state, and especially the state, suffer badly from bureaucratization and consequent constipation in their life. As a result, in the United States, many Protestants and Catholics have some home study groups which bring new life to their faith. In Edinburgh, Scotland, I found a remarkable charismatic church. It had purchased a large stone church closed by the Presbyterians and was the center of extensive ministries. But it had no membership list. Fearful of bureaucratic strangulation, it was keeping the church together as a faith bond in the spirit rather than as an institution. While it is not necessary to go to such a length, clearly a corrective 
to emphasize function and life is urgently needed. One of the consequences of bureaucratization in the church is the rise of the star system. This is certainly true also in other spheres, especially the state. People vote for presidents in terms of their, quote, image, unquote, projection, not their faith in life, not their action. Most of the presidents of the earlier years of the United States would never be elected today. Lincoln is liked in retrospect. His high-pitched voice, carelessness in dress, and much more would today finish him after one television appearance. The importance of the star system is necessary to understand. People want to star to epitomize what they want or would like to be. They identify with the image he projects. Thus, some people feel that a prominent political leader or a religious leader is, quote, entitled, unquote, to moral lapses because of his importance. In earlier times, such lapses were called the royal prerogative. The star must be the expression of the popular or common will, the general will. In the church in the United States, the star system set in soon after churches began to move on the one hand into Unitarianism and on the other into Armenian revivalism. People gravitated towards powerful pulpiteers on both sides of the fence. The churches then began to take their life from the star. A star could bring in hundreds and even thousands of people, lead to a great church complex, attract people and money, and give the members the vicarious feeling of being part of a great church. This still is very, very much with us. Some people will simply say, quote, I want a church where the action is, unquote. By action, they mean crowds. The result is often a surrogate, quote, Christianity, unquote, not a living faith. The result, too, is spectator, quote, Christianity, unquote, a star performing before hundreds and thousands. The mandate to believers in both numerically large churches as well as small is then reduced to being good spectators and contributors. For the surrogate, quote, Christian, unquote, someone else expresses the faith and does the work. We have then what General William Booth called mummified church members. The star system has had its shipwrecked stars over the centuries. Men like Savonarola, Henry Ward Beecher, and others of more recent years, and the end is not yet. The star system tends to give, not life, but a form of life. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, some have the form of godliness, but not the power thereof. Instead, what the stars usually have is the power of money. Paul tells us that we are, quote, the church of the living God, unquote, 1 Timothy 3.15. Jesus Christ declares that he is, quote, the way, the truth, and the life, unquote, John 14.4. The Trinity is never identified as the great bureaucracy, but as life, the author of life, and more. For the church to identify itself in terms of its bureaucracy is a sorry fact. If the church indeed is the body of Christ, it must function as if it is alive. A dead church is a non-functioning church. It is salt which has lost its savor and is fit only to be cast out and trodden underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 This is a grim possibility in our time. We cannot say that in all places the church today is dead, 
but in too many areas it is badly arthritic and feeble. Christ, the Lord of life, commands us, saying, quote, I say unto thee, Arise! Unquote. May 1988 The Paradise of Women, Chalcedon Position Paper, Number 98 Slander shifts its ground readily, because it is concerned with what will hurt rather than what is true. In different eras, different charges hurt the most. What in one period may be a hurtful accusation may become a compliment in another day. This was certainly true of Calvin and of Geneva in Calvin's day and in his time of influence. As Gillian Lewis and Roger Stauffenegger have pointed out, Calvin's Geneva came to be known as, quote, the paradise of women, unquote. Quote, Calvinism in Geneva in the time of Calvin and of Beza, 1545 to 1605, unquote. In Men of Prestwich, E.D., International Calvinism, 1541 through 1715, page 49, Oxford, England, Clarendon Press, 1985 and 1986. There were good reasons for this. Calvin was strongly protective of, quote, women's rights, unquote. Under his guidance, church consistories went after wife abusers. They prosecuted guardians who had misappropriated trust funds of widows and orphans. Deserted wives were protected, and so on. Presswich has referred to, quote, the attraction of Calvinism for women, unquote, in that area. Quote, Calvinism in France, 1555 through 1629, unquote, in Abid, page 96. In that era, and for centuries before, powerful and prosperous elderly men and women contracted marriages with very young women and men. The families of the young complied with these arrangements for their personal advantages. Calvin felt strongly that such marriages should not be allowed. In January 1557, the consistory dissolved a marriage between a woman of, quote, more than 70, unquote, with a man of 27 or 28. Philip E. Hughes, E.D., the register of the Company of Pastors of Geneva in the time of Calvin, page 321, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Erdman's, 1966. Rules were published to protect both men and women in marriage. To avoid deception, many rules were established. Thus, quote, strangers coming from a distant country, unquote, could not be permitted to marry in Geneva until a careful investigation of their past and their family were made. Hughes, page 75. A woman persecuted for her faith could legitimately leave her husband. Hughes, page 197. It would be an error to say that the pastors of Geneva were always wise in their judgments in cases involving women. What is clear is that Calvinist Geneva was seen in its day as, quote, the paradise of women, unquote, because of the receptivity of Calvin and others to their plight and their need for justice. There was a reason for this attitude. It was the revival of the Old Testament as an inseparable part of the Bible. The New Testament was read as an essential part of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament solidly links holiness with the law, and the law is concerned with everyday life, the result was what Henry Hauser called, quote, secularization of holiness, unquote, 
In example, holiness was made a matter of everyday life for all believers. Holiness now was the pursuit of all Christians. It was, in Luthi's words, and, quote, insistence on saintly life as the duty of every believer, unquote. Herbert Luthi, quote, variations on a theme by Max Weber, unquote. In Presswich, page 381. Calvin said of Luke 6.35, quote, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil, unquote. That it is our duty to do good, expecting nothing. We are to exercise a royal goodness, not a mercenary one, Having received grace, we should then manifest grace. Calvin, Harmony of the Evangelist, page 302F. We have a remarkable fact here in Calvin's Reformation of Geneva. It was a city rightly called in its day, quote, the Paradise of Women, unquote. This is an aspect of the Reformation which has been given insufficient attention. The reason is that these reforms in civil and church law, which made Geneva so remarkable, in its day are now associated with patriarchalism, and patriarchy is a hated word to the feminist in both skirts and trousers. It suggests visions of male oppression, domination, and rule. It has become a symbol of past and present evils. The significant fact, however, is that patriarchalism was not male-centered but faith and family-governed. Modern men in the atomistic family often have more power if they choose to exercise it than did patriarchal man. The reason was a very clear one. Patriarchal man was a trustee from the past to the future. In 1 Kings 21, we see that Naboth did not feel that he had the right to sell the family land, no matter how much money King Ahab offered. The land was not his except as a trust from his forefathers to the generations yet unborn. The appeal of existential living is that it limits all right and power to the present moment. Existential man sees no responsibility to the past, nor to the future, nor to anything in the moment other than his will and desire. That is why, given any opportunity, Existential man is always tyrannical and oppressive. He will do what he can safely do without incurring immediate judgment. Both power and, quote, right, unquote, are limited to the moment and to his will. Not so with patriarchal man. He is linked to responsibilities, to the family, and to other people. His wife is his partner and vicegerent and responsibilities, and both must be future-oriented. Feminism, like masculinism, is existentialist and present-oriented. It has no sense of community nor the harmony of interest. Both feminists and masculinists believe in a war of the sexes and are out to win in that war. As good Darwinians, they believe in the survival of the fittest and a cosmic war for survival. Since the universe has no law, no morality in their faith, the fittest are simply the survivors, those whose radical ruthlessness and contempt for morality enables them to survive. To all such people, patriarchy is a trap, because it presupposes, despite the fall and man's depravity, the ultimacy and triumph of God and His law.
The universe is thus a moral universe. As Deborah declares in her song, quote, The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Unquote. Judges 5.20 A biblical, patriarchal culture sees the essential conflict in life as a moral conflict, not a personal one. As a student, I heard a professor, not in favor of patriarchalism, call its central characteristic hospitality and openness to people. He cited as revelatory of patriarchalism Abraham's response to the three strangers. He invited them in to share his, quote, salt, unquote, or life, Genesis 18. Modern social atomism, however, sees all men as enemies and turns the world into a hostile place. Class is set against class and race against race. Woodrow Wilson, as a student at Princeton, shared in the hatred of students for town boys called, quote, snobs, unquote, at Princeton and wrote, quote, we will have to kill some of those snobs yet before they will learn prudence, unquote. Jonathan Daniels, quote, Woodrow Wilson's pious young, unquote, in the New Republic, October 29, 1966, page 28, volume 155, number 18. Wilson, of course, had no such murderous plan, but he liked to think in such terms. Not surprisingly, he helped advance the cause of class conflict. Even as he dreamed of a one world made safe for democracy, he advanced social divisions by his thinking. Biblical, patriarchal culture is now very much despised by those who, as humanists, hate moral solutions. For them, our problems are not to be diagnosed as a rebellion against Christ and God's law, but as a matter of economic conflicts, class tensions, and sociological conditionings of a regressive and sociopathic nature. Calvin is for them a symbol of bad answers, and a recent book sees Calvin as essentially a, quote, sick, unquote, man. The book tells us more about the author than Calvin. I have on occasion cited, in speaking, the work of the bishop, St. Charles Borromeo, whose charities included, quote, giving marriage dowries to penniless girls whose fate would otherwise have been the streets, unquote. And, in addition to the hostel for the street people of his day, orphanages, a home for reformed prostitutes, and a home for unhappily married women. Margaret Yo, Reformer, St. Charles Borromeo, page 115-228F, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Bruce, 1938. The reaction is sometimes a cold one. Quote, social, unquote, problems many hold should be dealt with by the state, not by, quote, amateurs, unquote. When we depersonalize the problems of men and women, we also depersonalize ourselves. We reduce people to mathematical ciphers whose answers lie in acts of Congress or Parliament. We deny Christianity and Christ in favor of the state and its social workers. Romeo in Milan and Calvin in Geneva gave us another answer. But for many today, Geneva could not have been, quote, the paradise of women, unquote. After all, Geneva had no equal rights amendment or law. Paul tells us, however, quote, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, unquote. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 
and it is the Spirit who gave us the law and the Gospels. If we do not seek our answers in the Lord and His Word, we are part of the problem. June 1988 Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushby. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his pain, the very prize. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Tell the 